0: Well, last week we started talking about how to have biblical resolutions. Everyone talks about starting out the year with uh, New Year's resolutions. And so we talked about biblical resolutions. And we discussed resolutions that we discussed last last week uh, was that uh, we're to be resolved to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Be worried about anything, be worried about anything, not to be anxious for nothing. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. those things that are on pure, those things that are, on pure, those things that are on pure, those things that are honest, those things that are true. And that we're to give thanks in all things and for all things. Those are biblical resolutions that we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, need to apply to our daily lives. Well, this morning I want to talk to you about biblical expectations, how a Christian, how somebody who's been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb needs to approach this life in which we live knowing that we are to redeem the times for the days are evil. So I didn't know whether to title this biblical expectations or we should have named it. Which one, which one we should have named it 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 but i want to talk about biblical expectations or biblical perspective as the believer stands for truth and because that's what god because that's what god calls us that sneer, in a world that sneer in a world that sneers even in a world that criticizes even in a world that thinks Basically, we're just dumb that we are idiots what we believe, what we believe, but we stand firmly So. that So this morning, I want us to talk about kind of came, kind of came, kind of came, kind of came, kind of came to me as we started watching the last week's Super Bowl. Last week's Super Bowl, i just tell you flat out, it was disgusting, or at least the part that we watched until we finally turned it off, and I was so proud of my wife, she stayed disgusted for such a long time, I finally just turned the whole game off. I've, you know, I basically finally had to say, Faye, give it a rap and I thought, but you And I thought, but you know what? That needs to be the attitude of believers. Now, I've pretty much given up the NFL. The Holmes testimony, the Holmes testimony, because of the plan to honor veterans. And basically, that's kind of what the NFL has done. They've sort of done an in-round, a lot of run around, a lot of those protesters and taking a knee, where now the NFL is really supporting a lot of veteran uh, works and activity, and, and they're doing some really good things. And it was the Kansas City Chiefs too, not the City Chiefs. So fans of Kansas City Chiefs, so fans of Kansas City Chiefs, and so I thought, what? A, and what? A, and what amazed me at the beginning, boy, the the lady that's saying "God bless America," I thought, wow, that is terrific. And then they had this halftime show, and it was sort of like America saying "God bless America," and then we do that. Give me a break. We sing the national anthem, and then we, we, we have a halftime show that was basically, well, they say they called it soft porn. I don't know if there is a such thing, but that's what they call it. And I'm thinking, how can we expect God bless America? But I think the thing that really got to me was so many believers with came with that halftime show. When I've said something about it, uh, I've had people say, Will, you prude. Okay, I'm a prude. You st- can take your Puritan standards. I'm not going to tell you what the rest they said. Okay, I will. Thank you for noticing. I had one guy tell me, he said, I am sorry. And, and this guy had been to Bible college too, by the way. Just not tell you that. He said, I am sorry that that halftime show offended your Christian principles. And I wrote back and said, I'm sorry that it didn't offend yours. Really sorry it didn't offend yours. Didn't hear anything else back from him. But in light of the appalling Super Bowl halftime show, it was an absolute depravity indicator and it shows just how our moral standards have crumbled, collapsed, and how desensitizing we've become. There is moral decay when something like that can be shown where children are doing it, doing it. And I had one person say, that's that's." that's that's, that's, just, that's just the way yeah, in which we live. 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 Yeah, and God's word says that days are evil. Yeah. That was pretty obvious. Folks, 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 the forces of evil and darkness have continued to marshal their forces, grown complacent. Complacent, lazy, accepting, 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 accepting. There's spiritual warfare, folks. It's heating up. In the Lord Jesus Christ, is, is in the Lord Jesus Christ, is those who believed in His Word. We need to be determined to take a stand and there need to be patience of, of believers. Now, I hold Super, Super Bowl. I hold Super Bowl. I watched part of it. until My wife said, shut. Basically, until my wife said, shut. Basically, until my wife said, shut, <laughs> shut that off. Aren't you glad? <laughs> and I always do what my wife tells me to do. Just ask her. Just ask her. It was disgusting. It was disgusting. There's spiritual warfare, and it's heating up. And my question to you this morning, because I forgot what point I was going to make with that, but has the church lost its influence? Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. So I almost didn't watch it. And the reason they don't watch it is because of fox, not because of the NFL. I was kind of thinking, hey, that's good. Some of the changes they brought, back, I thought that was good, but I didn't. I almost said I'm not going to watch it because I don't want to support Fox, because Fox accepted a commercial that that encouraged uh, not transsexuals. Uh, I forgot what they called it anyway. Uh, anyway, men that dress up like uh, like women and it was just sickening and, and there was a commercial that promoted that and a commercial that embraced that and, and it was supposed to have been funny and ha 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 but yet they rejected a commercial that, that uh, was the supporting uh, life and was anti-abortion and, and it, it had to do with the, the people who had lived through attempted abortion <laughs> well, no 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 that's That's just, we can't show that. But we're going to show this one have, it encourages drag queens. And I I almost didn't watch it because of that, but I thought, okay. Patrick Mahomes' testimony and, and everything. But see, I remember a time. I remember a time when this nation, the powers that be, would have fought differently and would have said, no, 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 we can't do that. Why, do you know those Christians would be up in arms? Those believers, those church people, we may not like them, we may not agree with them, but we can't. Why, they wouldn't be buying our products if we were to air something like that. Why, they they wouldn't stand for it. That can't be said anymore that can't be said anymore ah who cares one is who cares what the church thinks who cares what those believers think I mean that's that may be what some of them believe but let me tell you what's even worse than them saying that is they don't care yeah they may voice an opinion they may go they may squeal a little bit but They're going to come back. It's not going to be for long. And you know what? They're right. They are right. We squeal and we sort of squirm a little bit. But then we accept. And that is a dangerous position for the church, the body of Christ, to be in. Now, I, I... I've said all that, but I'm going to say this. I was really grateful for how social media just kicked up and showed a lot of disapproval. I, 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 that, And I'm thinking it's just because of all people who are my friends on social media that know me and think the same way, because I, 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 don't, I don't see a whole lot. I don't, I'm not on Twitter. I don't do all that. So I don't, I don't know. But I... But I'm the, the Christian, the friends that I have, they really did squeal. But I don't know for how, how long. So I ask the question again, has the church lost its influence and respect? I believe it has. But here's what the Lord Jesus says. Matthew chapter 5, it was our memory verse. But in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, the Lord tells his apostles here, and this is the principle that covers all dispensations, folks. The Lord Jesus says, "You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, or his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden under foot of men. You are the salt of the earth. But if you've lost your power, if you've lost your influence, salt was a preservative. Salt is for taste. Salt is to make things better, make things useful. And the Lord told the disciples, you are the salt of the earth. But he didn't stop there. He tells them, in verse 4, you are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. The Apostle Paul, Colossians chapter 4. verse 6, Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. See, that's pretty much the same thing. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. You are the salt of the earth. You're what gives life flavor. Your salt influences everything we eat. It, salt makes a difference on everything we consume. We're to be making a difference in the lives of everyone with whom we come in contact. You are the salt of the earth. I'm not so sure the church understands that important role anymore and that you are the light of the world telling his disciples. We're going to talk a little bit more about what Paul says about you being the light of the world in just a second. But folks, I think we find ourselves on the battlefield. But there are too many Christian soldiers that have just been determined to be observers and not warriors. And what God, I believe, is calling us to be in these days is warriors for him for himself, but the church is too busy compromising, too busy compromising. You know, I I think of the church today, not this one. You guys are perfect. I'm just got to tell you, okay, you know better, right? But you know, when Paul <laughs> took the gospel to Corinth, it wasn't that difficult. I mean, he was fearful. There are a lot of things going on, but it wasn't, it wasn't that difficult to get a church in Corinth. You know where the hard part was? Getting Corinth out of the church. And I think that's what we see today, so many of our churches. So many churches are established. But boy, the world just influences them to such an extent that you can't see much of a difference. But if you're the salt of the earth, there's supposed to be a difference. But here's the good news. It's not too late. It's not too late. Hey, the battle's already won. And we as believers in Christ are not to lose sight of who who it is that we represent. We understand that God's words can still go forth, that God's word is still powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. God's grace is still amazing, and we still get to proclaim the gospel. And the fact that we're still proclaiming the gospel, He still saves, and He still changes lives. But what we as a church, a body of believers, need to understand is that we are in a warfare, that the world hates us, the world has different standards, the world has a different agenda than what we have, and to be faithful to proclaim His Word. So we agree that we're in a spiritual warfare. Ephesians chapter 6 started with verse 10 tells us what we're to do because we're in a spiritual warfare and if we think we can get by without doing what this tells us to do in this warfare we're sadly mistaken but I'm going to tell you it is easier to lay our weapons down and go along than it is to take them up and fight See, the world loves warriors on the run, but the world hates those warriors who take up the cause, who don't compromise, and who shares truth. Ephesians chapter chapter 6, verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The cunning devices of the devil. And folks, he has a bunch of them. He has a lot of cunning devices. He knows how to trip us up. Me. So I figured if he knows how to trip me up, he certainly knows how to trip others up. And, you know, here's what we need to realize. He's not a mind reader. He doesn't know our thoughts. Oh, boy, he takes note of our actions. He takes note of the things that the flesh draws us to do. And his cunning devices are centered on those actions, those things that we broadcast in our daily lives. So put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Folks, if you don't have on the whole armor of God, you are not going to stand against the cunning devices of the devil. I can tell you that. not saying you're going to lose your salvation. Glory to God, you can't do that. can't lose your salvation. You are sealed into the day of redemption. You are blood-bought. Heaven is your home. Eternal life is yours. But it's not because of what you do. It's because of what Christ has done because of who you are in him and how thankful I am of that this morning. But put on the whole armor of God that you may, may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand. Stand. That's what God calls on the church to do. He calls on us to stand for truth. Look at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 3.16. That all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Amen. From Genesis to Revelation, all Scripture is given. It's God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, that's why we stress rightly dividing the word of truth here. So you know the doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So we desire to stand for the truth. We are to stand for righteousness. But where do we find that? We find that in the scriptures. So we study. God's holy word for instruction and in righteous that the man of God may be perfect thoroughly furnished unto all good works chapter 4 verse 1 I beseech ye therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom preach the word be instant or be alert in season out of season reprove rebuke exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine to reprove you know it's what god's word tells us to do what what does uh, reprove indicate if you're going to reprove somebody what, what is that an indication that you first have to do see i can't come along and say ralph i'm going to reprove you for something you've done but before i can reprove him I have already had to have done what? Judge. I, reprove indicates judgment. that You have to make a judgment. So when somebody says, thou shalt not judge, well, they're not being scripturally correct. Thou shalt not judge lest thou be judged. Basically in the same, for, with, for the judgment you make, you're going to be judged. And, and let me tell you, the judgment for my sin, oh, my sin was judged. My sin was horribly judged as God's wrath against my sin was poured out on His Son on Calvary's cross. So when God's Word says reprove, now I'm not going to reprove. I'm not going to say anything to someone that the Bible doesn't say. If the Bible doesn't say it's a sin, if the Bible doesn't give us that groundwork, then okay, I, we have no right. But let me tell you, when God's Word says reprove, that is an indication of judgment. How dare you say anything harshly against what went on at the half, halftime show. You're judging, and God's Word says you shouldn't judge. I'm reproving. I'm reproving that is not acceptable or shouldn't be acceptable to believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, I I guess that is, to reprove is judgment. But we're told to reprove, we're told to rebuke and exhort it means to instruct with all long suffering. And that's an important aspect of that. To be patient with those people, to love them, to share with them that Christ died for their sins and doctrine. So we stand for truth in what's a very hostile world. But it's always been hostile. The world's always been hostile. The world ever since Cain killed Abel has has been hostile. It's part of what happened when sin entered with Adam's sin. But we have been blessed here in this nation, folks. We have been so blessed with the unique history of this country. There have been issues, there have been problems, but I'm telling you, there are problems that this nation and our founding fathers and, and those who have been our representatives uh, have, have tried to correct. And this experiment in liberty and freedom is the exception, not the rule. And we have had such an opportunity in this nation to stand for truth and righteousness around the world and to preach the gospel. But I am so concerned that we are botching that today because the church has just so embraced the world standards and said, well, let's just go along to get along. May that never be said by any of us. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.12 Paul told Timothy to fight the good fight. To fight the good fight. To fight the good fight of faith. That's exactly exactly what we need to be doing we're instructed in ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 to walk as children of light you are sometimes darkness not in darkness you were darkness but now are you light in the lord walk as children of light in a world that's ruled by the prince of darkness, I can't tell you how important that verse is. And here's the good news. I don't care how dark a room is. I don't care how dark the situation is. When there is a light that's lit, it expels darkness. I don't care how dark a place is. You strike one little match and it's going to overcome the darkness, and that's what God calls us to do: is to walk in chil- as children of light in a world that is so dark. Not saying it's not beautiful. Not saying that there's it's good by the world standards. Why there are a lot of good people out there. I, I keep hearing this over and over, and there are. But according to the world standards, not. God's standards there's none righteous no not one there's none good we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God but it it just breaks my heart to think of how many really good people out there caring people generous people are wrapped in that darkness that cloak of darkness blind to the fact that as good as they are they're not good enough And until believers who are children of light go in and strike that match and say, look, here's what God's Word says, they're going to remain in that darkness. And they're good as they bump into things and they they walk in darkness. They're good people. But they're lost. And part of walking as children of light is to being bold in our testimony, bold in our instructions, Bold as we rebuke, bold as we reprove, bold as we share doctrine. And part of that doctrine is the gospel of Jesus Christ. 1 John 1, 5 tells us that in God there's no darkness at all. This then is the message which we have heard of him. That declaring to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. And in a world that's so dark, boy, that, that is true. That in Him is no darkness at all. Oh, but, you know, I was going to share this. This week I was talking with someone that uh, recommended a, uh, a preacher, recommended a preacher to me. Uh, to listen to that's he they told me this guy is a he's a he's a wonderful prophet and you need to listen to him and I, and I went oh, okay and out of respect for this individual I thought oh okay I'll 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 listen to him oh he's a great prophet and he's going to tell you exactly what's coming to this country okay I'll listen to him and he was sharing his testimony I didn't get to what's coming to America, so don't ask me. I mean, I don't know what he said about that. Because as he was sharing his testimony, he was talking about the fact that God woke him up one night and flung him out of bed, and he landed on his shag carpet. So it kind of gives you an idea of how old the guy is. And landed on his shag carpet, and he started speaking in tongues. And he took his finger, and he and God started Well, he he saw an image, and the image was a big black ball. And he said, I knew that was God. And right then, I went, nope, 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 false prophet. That God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. You see why the Word of God is so important to us believers? Because there are false prophets out there saying things that politically, I go yeah. I hope yeah that I, I yeah. We have to be so careful because of Satan's cunning devices that he'll say things, he'll do things. Well, the guy went on to say, and then he took his finger, and fire came out of his finger, and he started writing this message down on his shag carpet. Oh. One of these days, we're going to say more about that because I I think we need to understand what we're going to be faced with in the last days as you get more and more of that type of nonsense, and we need to be equipped for that. But we're to fight the good fight. So how how do we fight the good fight? Oh, okay. This morning, I'm going to tell you some general and a couple of specific things that I believe we need to do. And one of the specific things is going to kind of shock you. Going to shock you, I think, maybe. But here's what we need to understand, church. We need to understand that just our standing for truth, just our standing for righteousness, may not change the direction that the world is headed. We need to understand that. If we're in the final days and perilous times are going to come, what God's Word says, that's not a reason not to pray. That's not a reason to fight. But we need to understand that just our standing and our uh, for truth and for righteousness and, may not change the direction that the world is going. We may be that close to the end. But you know what? Still want the Lord Jesus when he comes to find me faithfully fighting, faithfully watching. Bill Gaither has a song that says, things are going to get better either way. And that's true. Things are going to get better either way. So here are the things that we need to do. Number one, believer, not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans 1.16 says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God and his salvation to everyone who believes to the Jews first and also to the Gentiles. Not be ashamed. Listen, the family may reject, the friends may reject, but we boldly declare our allegiance to Christ in a way that the world goes, wow, they're Christians. We sang a song a few weeks ago, I'll tell the world that I'm a Christian. Oh, I love that song. And I hope you love singing it and that you take it to heart. But we're not ashamed of the gospel and we boldly declare that we have been made new creations in Christ. And people say, well, you know, I have a hard time expressing. I have a hard time um, uh, articulating my faith. Here. Just remember this scripture. Number one, you still take a bold stand. Because nobody, nobody can tell you, no, you don't have faith. No, you don't believe. And what you tell them is you say, I know whom I've believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which he's committed unto me. I know whom I've believed. No, I might not be able to change your opinion. No, I may not be able to give you all the answers. I may not be able. But see, God God has not called on us to be able to convince a skeptical lost world that he exists. He hasn't called us to do that. 1 Peter 3.15 just tells us to be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. It doesn't say you have to explain, that you don't have to articulate and prove to them that there is a God in heaven that loves them, who died for them. You don't have to prove to them that's true. Hey, by the way, that's the Holy Spirit's job. Our responsibility is to share that truth with them, and it's the Holy Spirit that brings that conviction, that tells them, that assures them that those words that you just spoke are true and accurate. All our job is is to say, I know whom I've believed, and I am persuaded that they can't change the fact that you're persuaded. One of my favorite scriptures, and, and I think proves this point and, and does this so well, is in John 9, 25. In John 9, 25, you have the blind kid or the blind man that Christ uh, made him see again, and the... the the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders of Israel, why they were so upset? Because he, he he made this guy to see again. But in John nine twenty five, they asked this man, who had been blind from birth, did he really do? This? Well, first of all, they asked his parents, did was he really blind? And the dad said. Go ask him. Go ask him. And when they finally did, did go and ask the boy, this is what he said. Whether it be a sinner or not, I, I don't know. But one thing I know, whereas I was blind, now I see. I love that. You can't argue for a changed life, and this blind man's life was changed. A world can't argue with a changed life. As you stand and sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wrench like me. They can't argue with the difference that Christ has made in your life. If they see it. If they see it. And that's what we're saying. Don't be ashamed of the gospel, but boldly declare your love for God. Second thing we need to do is to study God's Word. 2 Timothy 2.15. You knew I couldn't get through a sermon without bringing in 2 Timothy 2.15. Someplace. At least that's what we're accused of all the time, but that's okay. 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself, approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Not being ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth studying god's word i'm going to tell you why that's so important well it was important so you understand number one which gospel to preach today is understanding to know uh what scripture is to you it's all for us but but what is directly to you i mean it's it's important that we rightly divide the word but how many of you and i'm not going to ask for a show of hand this is hypothetical no yeah hypothetical almost said hypocritical, but that's the wrong word. Hypothetical. Because I know this has happened to me. In studying God's Word, and I actually have had several of you even tell me that during conversations with people, uh, Scripture will come to mind as they are debating or they are arguing or they are, you're discussing things that you've not even thought of, but because you've been into the Word of God, Scripture will come to you that's like, wow, where did that come from? Well, it came from the Holy Spirit, and the reason He could bring it to your mind and to your heart is because you were in the Word. You understood. You had been studying the Word. How important that is. That's one of the ways that you know how to give an answer to everything. You've been in the Word of God. So if we're going to make a difference, biblical expectations is that we not be ashamed, that we study God's Word, and that we have an active prayer life. We talked a little bit about that last week. But we have an active prayer life. You ever said or ever had somebody tell you, well, I'm just too busy to pray? Well, I'm too busy not to pray. And that's not original with me. Martin Luther said, I have so much to do that I'll spend the first three hours in prayer. That, do you understand what he's saying there? I have so much to do that I'll spend the first three hours in prayer. I'm guilty of saying, oh, i got so much to do today. I can't get into the Word today or this morning. Oh, I've got so much to do. I don't have time to pray. And, and so you neglect that. But the truth of the matter is, we're so busy, we're we're not too busy to pray. We're so busy, we need to pray. And that needs to be the mindset of the church, the body of Christ. And we need to apply this scripture to our lifestyle. Number four, apply this scripture to our lifestyle. 1 Peter 3, verse 16. As we go about in this spiritual warfare. And dealing with with a world. An unbelieving world. That really is going to sneer. Is going to ridicule. But having a good conscience. That whereas. Or or if they speak evil of you. As of evil doers. They may be ashamed. That falsely accuse. Your good conversation. Or your lifestyle in Christ. Have it. Have it such that, that those who do bring accusation against you are literally going to be embarrassed. They're going to be ashamed of bringing that accusation. See, it just kind of... I read that verse and I think of that old saying, and I've shared that before, that um, if, if it was illegal to be a believer, if it was illegal to be a Christian would there be enough evidence to convict you? If all of a sudden it was illegal to, to be a believer in Christ, would there be a knock on your door as one of the first people they came to take away and haul off? I hope so. I want them to put me at the, befront, at the front of the line. He's the world's worst Christian. Well, wait a minute. But say that in a good way, you know? Live our lives so that those who do bring accusation against us are just going to be ashamed of doing so. Okay, a couple of specific things. And I'm going to do these really quick because we're almost out of time. Things that as we stand for righteousness, as we stand for truth, as we stand for God, get informed. Know what is going on in the world Know who the enemy is. Stand on issues from a biblical perspective. Biblical expectations. Get informed. It amazes me the number of believers that stick their head in the sand and say, pull my head out of the sand when it it all goes away. It's not going to go away, folks. It's not going to go away. But get informed. And get involved. Get involved. The main way to get involved is in your local church. There's no substitution for your local church. And the local church needs to be active. It needs to be vocal. It needs to make sure that a congregation understands the spiritual warfare and gets involved. And takes a stand for sanctity of marriage, the sanctity of life, and all of those other important issues. I know someone threw at me a while back. Ah, 2 Timothy 4.4 4 says we're not to get entangled. We're not to get entangled in the affairs of this world. It's not what that scripture says, by the way. It says that a warrior, a soldier who is at war does not get involved in the affairs of the world or the mundane, the, the typical everyday type of things. Because what is a warrior doing? What is a soldier doing? He's out fighting the battle. Do you think he's not involved in those issues? He is on the things that are godly, the things that are true. So we get informed, we get involved, we let our voices be heard, we write letters. We write letters to the editor. Do you know that every one of the TV stations, and probably even the radio stations, but every one of the TV stations here they have a, f- a viewer feedback type of thing. So when they're doing something or saying something, you can go and click on their website and you can let them have it in love and patience and understand. You can. You, you can do that. But we don't. We don't. And I don't understand that. I don't understand that. I guess that's part of being involved. And here's the last one. That this one might surprise you. We stand up to God on behalf of the land, on behalf of its people. I know God is no respecter of persons in this dispensation. God has no favored nation during this present dispensation of grace. I understand that. But I still think there is a principle here Turn quickly to Ezekiel 22. Ezekiel 22. Start with verse 25. 25, there is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof. Like a roaring lion ravening prey. This is Prophet Ezekiel, God speaking to the prophet Ezekiel concerning Israel and what was going on during this this time. They have devoured souls. They have taken the treasure and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Her priests have violated my law, have profaned my holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and the profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean. Sounds like a Super Bowl halftime show. But anyway. And have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths, and I am profaned among them. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls, to get dishonest gain. And her prophets have dubbed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity and divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord God hath not spoken. The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery, and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. Verse 30. Here it is, folks. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, That I should not destroy it, but I found none. What God was looking for at that time was a Moses, was a David, was a Daniel, was anybody that would take up, that stand in that hedge... Just as shepherds would build the, the gate, the pen, around the sheep and the sheep would be there, the shepherd would stand in, in the gateway and he would not allow any harm. He would fight any intruder, any danger that came upon the sheep. He would stand in that gap. He would, he would not allow anything to come in. And that's what God's saying. I looked for a man among here, Israel, the, the, these priests, these prophets these these my children i look for somebody that would stand before me so that i wouldn't destroy the land and he says i found none i found none may we be a church may we be a people that stand up not in defiance of god that's not what that's saying but we stand up and pray god please Give us more time to bring the lost to you. Give us more time to bring an understanding to this world. Lord, heal our land. Bring revival. Bring an awakening. And let it start with me. That's how you stand in that gap. And then you be prepared to do something as you say those things. Quickly, we have three choices, folks. Three choices. Choice number one is to do nothing, stay comfortably seated, and act as if everything's okay. I think that's what the church opts ops to do most of the time. Not this church, but the church. Big church. Or two, we preach head for the hills, crying all is hopeless. Let's form a circle. Let's hold hands. Let's sing hymns. Let's watch for His coming. All the while telling each other that how bad things are. Church does that a lot too. I don't know where the comfort is that, but the church seems to enjoy doing that. Or, or, we can draw swords. We can marshal our forces. We can join in the battle for truth and righteousness according to the Word of God. The world is looking. I've heard some people just recently saying that they were searching for truth. Well, you don't have to search. You don't have to search. Here it is. Oh, I solved your dilemma. Here's the truth. we don't want that truth yeah that's where the problem is folks the appearing of the lord may be near i actually believe it is but let me tell you something i do not want him to return and find me sitting comfortably ignoring the battle i don't want him to return finding me on a mountaintop looking up although there are times that is appealing i got to tell you that is appealing I want to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air with a whole armor of God strapped on with a sword of the Spirit in my hands battling the enemies of the cross. That's how I want God to find me when he returns for me. Amen? But Satan doesn't like that. He doesn't like that. And you have a church that stands up for truth. You have an individual that stands up for truth who dares to defy the prince of darkness. Number one, you say something like that, the world's going to scoff and go, yeah, all right. (laughs) They're going to laugh at you. But that's no reason not to. Let's pray. Father, Father, We come before you and we thank you for that salvation that we have in Christ. Father, how thankful we are for the shed blood that covers all of our sin. The Father that causes us to stand perfect in you. Father, how thankful we are that because of Christ we have the righteousness of God. Father, we stand in amazement. We thank you for that position. We're thankful that life eternal is our home. But Father, we also recognize that there's a job to do here. Father, may we not get complacent. May we not get comfortable. So comfortable that we love this world more than we love serving you. Father, may we understand the warfare. May we grieve. May it cause our spirits to revolt against the evil when it comes upon us, when we see it, when we hear it, may we never justify it. Now, I pray this morning if there's anyone here who's never trusted you, trusted you as Savior, this will be the moment that they say, yes, Lord, I believe. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe you were buried. I believe you rose again. And their life is changed forever as you make them that new creation that you promised to make them. And you begin your your work in them to conform them to the image of your son. Oh, Father, thank you for that, not only that saving power, but that conforming power that's taking place right now. And we pray these things in that name that's above all other names. We pray it in the name that every knee is going to bow to, every tongue is going to confess to, every tongue is going to acknowledge one day. For your glory, Father, in the name of Jesus, who is Lord of all. Amen.